0: Hello
1: everyone and welcome along to your latest Monday edition of the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett. And I'm joined by Adam Robertson and Patrick Caskey on what is going to be a very transfer focused um, edition of the podcast as we're well. just over 24 hours away from that transfer window slamming and shut in Scotland. Adam, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, good. Buzzing for the inevitable thousands of rumours that spread before we signed the player that probably we didn't think we were going to sign. So, yeah, always a fun 24 hours.
1: Absolutely, and I've just noticed you, you've had a haircut as well, so um, oh, happy haircut. Yeah, yeah.
2: getting ready for Transfer
1: Deadline Day, you got to look your best. Absolutely, you and Patrick, welcome again, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, good. Um I hope this year sort of rivals last year's Transfer window Deadline Day in terms of excitement. At the time, obviously it turned out to be a pretty poor one um in hindsight, but it was exciting, so let's hope we get something similar.
1: Yeah, we, we won't mention the words Aaron or Ramsey at any point in this podcast past that. Um, so I think let's start with the news today. There was a lot that happened. Um, there was one transfer that seems to have been dragging on a little bit and that is of Nicholas Raskin from Standard Liège to Rangers. It's now looking very, very likely and it could be announced pretty much any moment now. I think that the suggestions are it will be tomorrow that it's announced rather than today. Um, reports today said that rangers had a second and a third bid rejected over the weekend but rangers and standard liege managed to reach an agreement either late last night or early today um michael beale said at his press conference that uh the deal is not done as soon as there is news over the next 24 hours rangers will say i think i think we know that but i think from the discussions i've happened today and the reports from the media that is very very close interestingly Um, The Belgian journalist said over the weekend that Wolfsburg, Schalke and Stuttgart were all showing an interest in Raskin and kind of highlighted that that is potentially one of the reasons why Rangers might have sped up um, getting the deal over the line, which, um, which I think is understandable, especially after what we've seen in recent transfer windows when potentially we've dragged stuff out too long and not managed to get deals over the line uh daily records uh report that Nicholas Raskin landed in Edinburgh Airport this afternoon and was collected by Rangers officials Adam, I'm going to come to you first first of all happy with the deal and happy to get it over the line in January r- r- rather than trying to risk it um in in summer
2: yeah definitely I think. Patrick will probably talk us through exactly the kind of player he is, but from what I've read, he really fits the profile of what Rangers are are looking for. I'm sure we'll come on to the kind of tactical advantage of signing a player like that in due course. But in terms of the deal, yeah, I think 100% they just have to, to pay it. You have to just get the deal over the line. And with those clubs that are interested who will have more money than Rangers and could probably have you know done a deal for more if it came to it or done it quicker, whatever it might be. You have to just almost, you can't ignore the transfer fee, but you have to consider the number of factors that go into it. And it's not just the quality of the player that you're signing. And I think Rangers have thought, you know, just pay the money and just get the deal done. Um, And hopefully, you know, I can see that comment there about sort of conflicting reports. Hopefully it is all actually sort of done and dusted. We're not sitting here at a minute to midnight or whenever it is tomorrow night without any news of Raskin, but, you know, let's say that it is
1: over the line then yeah definitely a good sign and i think yeah patrick nicholas raskin's a player that i've seen that you've had on your radar for for quite a long time you were highlighting them a lot in the summer transfer window obviously i think rangers interest was legitimate at at that stage perhaps the the six million euro rumored fee that standard wage wanted at that point was was a bit high for what rangers were looking to buy him for especially as he's entering the last year of his contract not sure if you're quite as in the know as Paul McGarrigal thinks you are, don't unless you're camped out Edinburgh Airport. <laughs> I mean I am
0: in Edinburgh, not close to the airport, but <laughs>
1: um but can you just give us a bit of an, an insight into Nicholas Raskin, the kind of player that we can we can kind of expect to to be arriving at Rangers and, and why it is such an such an exciting signing to get over the line?
0: Yeah, I, I mean I think the first thing to do is preface that like in a universe in which all all things are equal and he's on like a five-year contract or whatnot or he has some sort of contractual future at standard he'll probably cost you like five six or seven million euros and uh, we would be uh, outpriced and unable to purchase him for that so the fact that we're able to get him for two million some people say it's an overpay on the basis that we could get him for six months for free Uh, and I think there's some validity to that I would disagree but I understand and would listen to it but this is a player that we're getting far below his market value and he comes in as a position and a sort of applies for a position of need is more of like a sort of a holding midfielder than a sort of box to box or an attack midfielder. Uh, This season's really been his first really, really, really solid one. Uh, Again, he's like 21. So much like Tillman, we might find ourselves criticizing him, expecting him to be the full package just because he has this sort of array and good CV. Um, But then we have to realize he is also like as young as some of the players that we look at and we're like, oh, who come to the academy? We're like, okay, but they're they're still young and still have time to progress. But He'll come in, probably play as either the, the deepest-lying midfielder or in a double pivot with another defensive midfielder. Uh, I think most likely we'll see him play as a single pivot, so the one defensive midfielder in domestic games at home where we dominate possession, where his skills really lie in, in there because he's, he's probably a better and more incisive passer than everyone bar Steven Davis that we have right now. Um, his pass numbers, if you sort of regulate them per 100 passes, he's got much better breaking the lines and chance creation than Jack Lundstrom, Kamara. And it's sort of more comparable with a few of the players at Celtic who we look at and we're like, oh, we need that sort of ability uh, whenever we play them and we're a bit envious. So I think that should be uh, a suit some of those problems. Albeit He's not like an incredible chance creator. It's just one of a multiple sort of strings in his bow. He's also nicknamed the, the Bulldog or the Pitbull. It's one of the two. And I think that's emblematic of the fact that he likes to run around a lot, get involved. He's a bit of a, like, um, I, I, there's probably some words that we probably don't want to use to describe it, but he's a bit of a nuisance, which, which is good for us. Uh, something we've probably been missing and someone we've seen quite a lot. Like, let's say when we play against Hearts, we see Cammy Devlin do it quite a lot, foul, tactically and smart, and get in and about it. And, and we have that, some bite to the midfield. He's quite short, but he's a decent athlete, nothing crazy um, in terms of covering ground. He's, he's a good stamina, a distance runner, not the, the quickest, but but smart. So that should, should counteract any physical problems, because obviously that's one of the big ones when a foreign player who's quite short comes to Scotland. A lot of people are asking, is he going to be able to hack it physically? And given he's looked in Belgium, uh, there's been no problems there. I don't think that should be a problem necessarily when he comes, or should yeah. he? But it looks like would he, or when he comes at this point.
1: Yeah, well, you, you should know Patrick since you're Edinburgh or yeah. whatever, but um, but just on stick with you, Patrick, on this comment from John. Weir. he says it's most excited I've been about a player in ages. Is it is, is it a signing that that excites you and that, is you feel is, is absolutely the correct one that Rangers should be making? I know he mentioned his age there. He's twenty one, which obviously brings with it the potential for a huge sell on value if if he does develop as people expect him to by all accounts the €2 million Euros, um, fee that we're paying just now is still an absolute steal for the, the quality of player that the other clubs seem to seem to value, Matt, and how he's valued in the transfer market. Is it one that, that really does excite you?
0: Yeah, I, I think you could almost laugh at the fact that we haven't had that many transfers that have excited us in, in the past years, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I mean... This is in a similar ilk of when we signed. I, I really like Ridvan Yilmaz. I watched a lot of him at Task before he signed. And it's that similar ilk of under-23s who are one of, if not one of the top five prospects in their nation, in and around the national team camps for Belgium and Turkey. For Belgium, that's really impressive. I think Raskin might have been in a in a um, national team camp once in the last few months, which is still impressive, given who they've got, got in midfield. But, yeah, I think if we're talking about sort of the guaranteed sort of guaranteed but what looks like to be the upwards trajectory this is probably the, the most exciting signing we've had since Ryan Kent and he's probably more polished than Kent was but I think the excitement with Kent was the fact that he was young we were splurging a lot on him and he had come in excited as in what was a really poor season the year before but yeah I can definitely get on board with the idea of this being one of the, the most exciting I'd probably say Personally, it's just below Yilmaz, bets because I watched them quite a lot in Turkey, so it's a bit bit personal fun for me for that one. But yeah, definitely top three uh, of recent time, I'd say.
1: Excellent. Well, Patrick's given him the big build-up now, so we'll, we'll see um, We'll see how he gets on when he gets his debut. Uh, Adam, I think one of the things that surprised me was the online reaction to the, the reports that the fee was €2 million, Euros, which I think is about £1.76 million, pounds, roughly plus the 20% sell-on fee I think I was personally when it was first rumored that there was a sell-on fee I was a bit surprised by that purely because effectively we could sign him on a pre-contract agreement just now and then wouldn't have to pay any percentage sell-on fee he's highly rated around Europe it seems going by the the discussions and the reports that have been going on um, and actually we were in a position of power because Standard Liège had frozen Nicholas Raskin out. He was training with the under-21s. and They had no intention of costing him at all for the, the remaining six months of his contract. The player had already agreed personal terms with Rangers. So really, it was all that was waiting on was the fee being agreed. How did you feel when you saw that that sort of 2 million euros and 20% sell-on? Was it a surprise to you that we'd agreed a sell-on or were you, were you kind of in the same boat as me in that Actually, I'd much rather have him in the door just now and not take a risk in the summer.
2: Yeah, definitely in the same boat as Ukraine, just to, to get him in because I think that. Come, we'll come to the specifics of the deal in a minute, and it, I do see what you mean when you say that we're in a position of power in this transfer. But at the same time, in two days, how many clubs would we be competing with? It would probably double because he would be available on a free in the summer. And Michael Beale clearly feels that he's a player that is going to come in and make an impact straight away, and so he's maybe felt that. It would be wise to just get the deal done, even if it maybe does mean paying a slightly higher sell-on fee or paying, you know, a slightly more initial transfer fee. But you know, in six months' time, if Raskin has helped Rangers to a cup double, or if he even helps to really push Rangers in a title race, you know, I think we can, that's a whole separate issue. There's nine points in it, but if he if he comes in and really makes an immediate impact, then we'll look back on this discussion six months later and think you know, probably all have gone out our heads by that point. And if he has if he does develop as well as is expected, especially given the build up that Patrick's given him there, then I think twenty percent of what he could be sold for might not be I mean, it is obviously a decent chunk, it's probably more than you would want. But I think right now the priority was to just get him in the door. And I think I see someone put a comment up there that other clubs I mean other clubs are already all over him and I think that would have only increased had Rangers not just done the deal so I think yeah and the kind of modern transfer market I think you just have to sometimes almost, almost do as you're told sometimes, I don't mean be a pushover but just think right we just need to pay this and, and get the player through the door because that is ultimately the most important thing and if Rangers hadn't then you know they'd have found themselves flapping about trying to find a player that was similar to his profile so yeah very much in the same boat as you Craig where I do understand the, the validity of it and people saying they maybe should have waited six months but i think the priority was just to get him in the door obviously not do anything ridiculous but don't really think that he or sell-on fee goes into that in the
1: territory yeah patrick kind of similar question to you two million euros plus 20 percent sell-on fee is that value for money do you feel and what do you think of curry muncher's comment there, are saying you're not going to get any player under 25 without a sell-on fee these days even when it is only six months left of his contract
0: yeah, I, I think that the comment is definitely fair. Some teams will drop the, the transfer fee they want to, sort of leverage a higher sell-on fee, which is becoming increasingly in vogue. Obviously, there, there's risks at that. Um, for example, when when we bought Morelos from Helsinki, I think they have a twenty percent sell-on fee, and that will probably become become nothing. And they probably it's all relative. They probably could have worked out another five hundred thousand pounds. Or, or a sort of contemporary example. Um, if you look to the other side of the city, is Dembele's going to Southampton for, for £3 million, and they got a 15% sell-on clause in that. And at the time, they thought that might have been 5 or £6 million, because he was doing really well in France, and now it's 300 k 400 k But yeah, I mean, I think uh, there is obviously some merit to the c- complaints, but I think what we'll find is a lot of people who are complaining that we did pay the money are the exact same people who would also complain if we didn't pay the money and he went to... Wolfsburg or, or Marseille or Napoli, any of the clubs who have also been sort of messaged and linked towards him, which he has all the right to do so. They're fantastic clubs. I mean, I'm a bit surprised when they mentioned Wolfsburg, especially because they were in the Champions League just two years ago and, and a German club, Bundesliga, top four. And I'm surprised he spoke to us over them. But he obviously, he knows what he knows what's up and that's, we're lucky with that. But yeah, I don't think it's that much of a problem. I think, as I said earlier, he's probably... Um, if, if he was on a longer deal of five, six or seven euro, million euro player, so picking up for two million in that capacity is good. Obviously, we could have got him in six months for free or we could have played our hand and we looked to have a good bargaining position. But then you make the point that if he plays any sort of part in winning a cup double or more importantly, I think, is the fact that we Get him now, he's bedded in, which means he's ready to go immediately for what will probably be champions league qualifiers. Because obviously, I don't think we're going to win the league this season, it's probably a step too far. Although, if he does, if he does sort of be the catalyst as winning the league, I don't think anyone will complain for getting him for two million euros. But uh, I think Haji is a good example. Obviously, his six month loan wasn't six months, it was cut short with the COVID season. But we saw him come in, build sort of sort of reputation and uh, relationships with those around, and then the, picking him up obviously different because we an opportunity to sort of get a fee or to pay the fee was the option, the loan contract, and this is different. But that, I think, worked wonders for him and allowed him to hit the ground running in the 55 season as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think there's a there's a few points that, that you mentioned there and a couple of other things that come into the, the reason as to why I was happy that we paid the money now and got him in the door. I guess a bit scarred by the Joey Vierman saga from um, from last year. Just it felt like it went on and on and on. And we never actually had confirmation if we were for him as a player or not but it felt like we were and the, the, the rumors or the the reports were strong enough that you you can kind of read between the lines that we were but we didn't really want to pay i don't know whether it was the amount of money that they want that hadn't been wanted or the, the sell-on fee percentage but I'm just glad he's through the door um i think right i get the impression raskin is a bit like hadji and that if you pay 2 million 3 million euros or whatever you're without a doubt, you're going to get that back even if, he's, even if he fails at Rangers because he is that highly rated um, by other clubs. And to I think I think Hadji could be 45 and we'd, we could sell him to Galatasaray for about five yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I do think
0: you have the, the sort of the profile he has. If he comes in and doesn't cataclysmically fail, someone will buy him. And the, the Belgian journalist who broke the story is also saying that the guaranteed portion of the, the fee is less than a million pounds, around a million euros. Um, and then the rest of it is in contingencies on qualifying for the Champions League or winning winning the league. So the fact that it's, I think, £900,000, I think, is a lot better as a soundbite when, when you say we spent under under a million in guaranteed fees. Um, so I think if we put it that way, that might change some people's thinking of uh, paying the early fee.
2: Yeah, that, sorry, Crick, I just wanted to add, that's the other thing. Like, it's not even a million pounds that Rangers are parting with right now, or it's reportedly not a million pounds. So if that is contingent on Champions League qualification, I mean, the money that, Rangers will get from that. The remaining, not even nine hundred thousand pound, is going to be very little out of that. And as we say, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't work out to the level that we expect, he will. He's probably still going to be a decent player. So I don't think the transfer fee is, is probably. I, I think it will, honestly, I think it will, the kind of discussion about it will be forgotten once he, hopefully once he starts playing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I think so. And I think the the point I was going to want to make is one that Callum um, has here in terms of well 2 million is, is still that seems to value they seem to be valued quite a lot in scottish football terms and the grand scheme of world football 2 million is 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 barely anything at all and it's not even it's not even what it was five years ago um in terms of transfer fees and and how the transfer market is sitting so i think it's important to, to put it in that context and to remember um remember that uh john scott comes in and says don't, don't think any other fan base bothers about prices the way ours does i think that's fair but i think i've probably been scarred a bit over the years by by that one um brian houston i think echoes your point patrick we need raskin now to get settled in for next season you'll make a huge difference now so to me a no-brainer i think i think that i find that really important that we do get them in and get them settled and especially if He's, he's he's still young traveling to a new country new um new way of playing football p- potentially more dominant in possession than he has been under with standard wage although i know they're up towards the top of the, the the league in belgium but i still think there's an adjustment period and to the expectations as well that we have um at rangers and um, so i think it i think it's really interesting to to see how he performs over the next few months and i'm I, i'm i'm excited anyway to um to see how he how he gets on um the, the chat is on absolute fire tonight to be honest with these with the amount of comments about nicholas raskin i think it's safe to say um loads of people are are really really um excited about this one and uh yeah hopefully announced tomorrow and um, by all accounts and we'll, we'll hopefully i doubt we'll see him at Tynecastle against hearts on wednesday but um come this weekend against, against ross county i'll be be very interested to see even if we get to see half an hour of them or so and um, i think that would be that'd be really positive right there's still plenty to to get through um nicholas raskin keep keep your comments coming in um as we start to talk about others and we'll, we'll, we'll jump back and forward as they do um adam I'm going to come to you first on on the next point and uh, michael beale in his press conference said the morgan whitaker deal from swansea looks like it's not going to happen he said um, he'll be staying at Swansea, I believe, um, and I think it was it was confirmed that one bid was made and that got rejected and we didn't go back in. There was he's one that's been on on the lips of of many Rangers fans over the last week or so since um, since I think he was recalled from his loan at Plymouth Argyle. Was he the kind of was he a player that you were you were excited about or starting to get a bit excited about or was he one that actually when you look at the fact that we've got in those wide attacking positions the likes of of Kent, you've got, um, you've got Cantwell who just came in, you've got Lawrence that can play there, you've got Hadji that can play there, you've got Tillman that can play there, albeit it's not his best position. And then that's before you even get on to the likes of Sakawa, Scott Wright, um, Rabi Matondo. Were you a bit surprised we're looking at, at that, at that uh, profile of player?
2: Yeah, well, it wasn't one I'd really kind of kept up to date with so much as somebody like Raskin, where obviously there was real excitement and aside from anything else, a real need to get a player in like that. I mean, listen, if Michael Beale genuinely believed that Morgan Whitaker could come in and make an impact on the squad and and make a real difference, then fair play. Yeah, you would have backed the manager to make the right decision there, but I don't think it should be seen as anything really too negative that Rangers haven't got him. I mean, you listed all the players there. I mean, by the time you get to Tillman playing there in in not his best position, you're asking for probably three players to be injured, which I know this season isn't out with the realms of possibility, but... um, Yeah, listen, he's clearly a talented player, he clearly did well um, in the first half of this season at Plymouth, but I don't think I was that concerned that we didn't land him, just because at the minute it's not a priority, and I think that's what Rangers needed to address this window was the the players that they, aside from anything else they needed, and you know, come the summer, hopefully at that point they've got a good squad to build from and they can look at players who are going to come in and challenge those in the first team or just immediately make the team better, so... Maybe he'll come back up, I don't know, but it doesn't... Again, listen, we can only go off reports, but if, if the reports are that one bid's been submitted and that seems to kind of be the end of it, it doesn't sound like the club were necessarily too adamant. I mean, we just talked about their, you know, paying what you're asked basically to get Raskin in because you feel there's a real need to have a player in like that. Perhaps the same approach hasn't been taken with Morgan Whitaker because Biel doesn't quite feel that, you know, he would be as crucial in addition, so Yeah, not not
1: overly fast. I appreciate he's a talented player, but yeah, sure, he just move on. Yeah, Patrick i C. I'm going to go for W C. rather than WAC. Caldwell coming in here saying he would have loved Whittaker, strong, fast, clever player. Uh, Jockney's also in the comments saying wouldn't be surprised if that was real. reaffirming we're not paying any more for Whittaker take our leave at Swansea. What were your thoughts on on Morgan Whittaker? Did you get a chance to kind of look at the kind of profile of player he was and do you think he would have been suited to us had we progressed with it
0: yeah I mean um I was actually tipped off by him by a friend who works at a, at a club in the English Championship not not Swansea saying that he was a good player before before the links had emerged when he was recalled because he knows that Rangers need a right wing and he's like this might be an interesting guy to look at I'm really surprised to the extent as being he's being kept at Swansea because um I, I'm not sure I'm assuming most people know Russell Martin's our manager and he plays a really incredibly possession-based style, like 600 passes a game or something crazy like that. And, and Whitker isn't bad on the ball, but he's certainly not the sort of winger that you'd want to come deep and sort of be really heavy based in build-up, which kind of works for us. I think he would have fit our system a bit better and sort of a tall numbers man off the side, good physical profile, but still a, an incisive pass in the penalty box. Like he'll he'll do some nice key passes and create some chances, but he's not the type to come back and play some super intricate deep play which we kind of want from our wingers you see Kent draw back a lot. You even saw campwell do it extensively on the weekend against St. Johnston. So so I think he could have fit in the extent in which it was a sort of rotation piece. He's young, he has upwards potential and he's scoring goals right now. And that, that's probably the most important bit with a January signing is if you're getting someone in and they're in form trying to maintain that. I don't think right wing is as much of a concern as it was in the summer. And that's not on the basis of Matondo, the person we signed there, being successful, but rather Sakala sort of holding it down as his own. And then Campbell coming in, albeit I don't think he really has a future at right wing. He's more of a left winger or a sort of eight or 10 in the midfield. Uh, But even then, I don't think we need someone immediately for, for the next six months. And I think if delaying this transfer Um, to the summer, Uh, not the Whitaker specifically, but a right winger, Uh, and that allows us. And if that does allow us to get a profile we like more and a player we like more, I'm all for it because I don't think he's the perfect player. I think he's good, but I don't think he's worth hedging our bets and sort of waiting for a more opportune time like the summer window, which is far better for looking into the market. I don't think he's worth um, avoiding that and going straight in and sort of heavily investing. And anything north of 2 million does seem quite a lot for someone who albeit um, you find value all across the football pyramid in every country who's only really done it in the, the English League one and just for really a six-month stint but there's no doubt he's a good player there, there's no smoke without fire but I'm not going to be devastated if, if Beal's what he's saying is the truth
1: yeah Patrick, you just kind of touched on what uh, on a point I was going to ask you actually you have got Pete Lawrence here saying too much for an inform week one player um you've got Stewart, Stewart Laurie Hall they are saying best players in League One are more than good enough, examples being Joe Aribo and Matt O'Reilly, who currently has most assists in the SPL. Do you you think there is a a bit of snobbery amongst Rangers fans as to to where players come from, rather than looking at the talents and the, the potential they have?
0: Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't blame them for being sort of broken down by a successive chain of really poor transfers from the Championship in League One whether that be loans or, or permanent transfers that we've had in the last five or six years. so I don't blame people having a bit of lethargy from seeing us being linked with sort of decent players for the Championship or League One. I mean, there's no doubt that certain individuals, obviously the Championship is a far better league than the Scottish Premiership, but, but the League One, for example, there's certain individuals who are more than good enough to come here and play a role. Um, usually they're not going to come in and immediately be the best player, but that's why you look at players like Aribo or O'Reilly who come in with time to sort of settle because they're young and they've been picked up for a decent fee. Um, And I think it's not more so about finding the best players in League One, but more so the ones with the most desirable traits because the best players in League One uh, will be good players but they'll generally be slightly older and they'll come in and you'd expect them to hit the ground running and be like an immediate impact. You don't have the latency and time to wait for them to develop. And I don't think that they would be up to the the best range of standard. But when you look at some of the youngsters playing in the league down there, Whitcrum is a good example. Kwame Poku from Peterborough is one guy I really like. And you find these players who have skills and they're showing it off and they're not afraid to do so in League One, and that, thats a real sort of um, journeyman's league. Tons of games, it's like 48 a forty-eight season filled with people just there trying to make it up the leagues. So it's a bit—it's a bit interesting in terms of a stylistic league. And but no, yeah, no doubt that, that there is talent there. Uh, I wouldn't say that your average player or your average pickup from League One would be any would be a good idea per se. But you can certainly find talent. Ariba and O'Reilly are the best examples of that. And I do think, in the isolated case of Whitaker, I wouldn't be paying more than two million for him. But I certainly think that if you were to find some incredible player in League One, there's certainly one one or two who are worth more than that.
1: Craig, I think you're on mute. But... <laughs> I'm on mute because I started coughing midway through Patrick's answer, so I appreciate that. It's only the second time I've done that in the last two weeks, so um, a new record. Um, I think we'll, we'll move on now because Michael Beale had another really interesting press conference today. He's a man that that likes to talk and I think he's, he's um almost the opposite of what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was in terms of I I always watch Michael Beale's press conferences I've never watched Giovanni Van Bronckhorst press conferences so Michael Beale always gives you a bit of information and even when he says he's not going to talk about something generally in the next answer or the answer, after that, but he will tell you all the information you want to know um I thought one really interesting point from the press and it wasn't really one that I thought he would be asked, Adam, was um, his comments on a striker. Um, he said, I have a number nine target that's very different to the ones we've got. I have my target on that, but uh, the target is probably not available right now, but will be in the summer. Um, were you surprised that he was talking about a, a striker? Obviously, Alfredo Morelos coming towards the end of his deal. Um, Kamar Roof, out injured once again, on making his way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antonio Cholak's went, is, He started off well, but he's had a bit of a struggle with a couple of niggles in knocks in recent weeks. Were you surprised to see him talking about a striker one day before the transfer window when it hasn't really been something he's mentioned so far in January?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the timing of it slightly, but in terms of what's needed in the squad, I wasn't particularly surprised because you know, I think it, it really looks as though Alfredo Morelos is off. As much as I think we all like Kamar Roof and what we know he can bring, you only have to look back to the semi-final against Aberdeen. He ultimately isn't reliable enough from a fitness perspective. And so you have to plan with that in mind. So if you think of it in that way, that essentially leaves Cholak, who, as you said, has after a blinding start, had a couple of injury niggles and we're yet to see how he would fit into Michael Beale's system. So I think that Again, going back to talking about Raskin and getting a player who you want to bed in, that is a good idea to try and get him in. But he clearly has a target in mind, which I quite like. You know, we've seen clubs do that in the past. I mean, the example that that springs to mind, some Rangers fans probably won't like this, but I remember when Liverpool signed Virgil van Dijk and I remember it took them sort of six months. do that, now obviously there's wholly different amounts of money but I just mean the principle of if you've got someone in mind who you really feel is the one that's going to make the difference don't then just go and buy someone for the sake of it for the remaining six months of the season so yeah, I I think he's clearly got a target in mind, I wasn't particularly surprised because I do think it is an area that needs addressed
1: Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree I think, um, and we'll go on to talking about sort of potentially who Michael Beale could have been talking about there's obviously every chance it could be someone we have no idea is looking at but it's it's more fun if we throw around some names um I think I I, I'm of the of the mind at the moment that we really miss and especially after Alfredo Morelos's performance against the Johnson at the weekend we really miss a finisher like Chris Boyd that just against the other 10 teams in the league will just will just batter goal after goal after goal into the back of the net and I think Alfredo Morelos does it in occasional games but he doesn't do it anywhere near often enough for me and I I think I think it's really shown even more so now that we miss a lot of chances and at the weekend we probably should have won that game four or five nil without even playing at our best and the amount of chances that we missed and a lot of them did fall to Alfredo Morelos is is a real negative and a real concern particularly when you look at the the gap in goal difference at the moment as well this is the second season in a row where there's been a decent size gap in goal difference quite early on in the season and I think we need that sort of penalty box striker or or someone who is a a, who's a clinical finisher I I genuinely thought we were getting it with Antonio Cholak and I think I think he can still be that that striker but Mm -hmm. I do think Antonio Cholak start to the season with Rangers does seem to be be a bit of an outlier in his in his career so far so I'm a bit concerned if he falls back towards the norm then then we might be struggling a bit on that front Patrick in terms of a striker when Michael Beale says if we're getting number nine he knows who it's going to be do you expect it to be more of that penalty box style striker that we look at
0: no I'd expect it to probably be the opposite to be fair because I think if you're looking for if we if we want a penalty box striker, I think Sherlock is the profile whether he's up to scratches is a different question he's obviously started extremely well and up to now everyone would say he is up to scratch and I think there's no denying that um but what we have seen is the fact that uh, when we succeeded it's predicated on Morales's ability to drop deep and, and disrupt a bit um and sort of demands of a Beatle striker seems to be to sort of interplay and have some capacity to to sort of link up and play and build up Cholak really doesn't have that and for as much as his goals are great, uh, and they'll be useful as a rotation sort of prospect in, in the league, which is he is now. He probably stay. Uh, I think if we lose Morelos, which we should do, even even if he wants to extend, I don't think we should extend. I think he's probably run his run his race and leaves with his head held high. Uh, or um, I I I think so. I, I've been a, I've been a fan, although I understand and completely agree. If other people uh, see see different, but no, I think we'll probably find someone who is probably the sort of Remark difference what we have now kind of threw me off because I thought Marlos, uh is quite a complete forward in the sense that he's good at everything but scoring and then Cholak is good at scoring so if you combine that we kind of touch all the bases in terms of nines at the club and then and then Roof is a sort of hybrid winger forward and that's another type of striker but as some people were talking about uh, Cameron Archer from Aston Villa um, he'd been linked previously he's on loan at some Championship club now but he's uh, long-term contract at until 2027 but that would make sense in the sense in the capacity that he was linked when Gerard was here I think it was and he's on loan now so if you put it two to two but he would also be quite expensive probably up in the seven or eight million which is something we're definitely not going to be spending on a striker given the fact we're not going to get anything from Morelos when he inevitably leaves uh hopefully but no I, I think we'll see it's definitely at least one maybe two strikers come in on the basis that I hope Morelos leaves and uh, for as much as Rufus is great when he's fit availability is the best ability uh, and his availability is shocking sadly uh, and it's really not up to any fault of his own but the sooner he's out and his wages off the books would also be beneficial so I would expect hopefully one maybe two strikers in the summer
1: availability is the best ability I like that I like that phrase from you Patrick I, I might use that in future um Adam uh Swainer's memories um here saying Morelos' attitude and behavior isn't very loyal to the fans who adore him time to go alfredo jockney here says the lack of fit number nine costas last year and we need another morelos type striker and now someone who can drop in as well as lead the line now some of the names that we've seen um i guess liked with us but also developed over the course of this month have been kevin Nisbet and Warren shankland what are your thoughts on on those two strikers are you are you for or against them for any reasons do you think those could either of those could potentially be the name that that Michael Beale is talking about or do you think it it could be elsewhere?
2: Yeah, I mean, potentially, listen, there could be any number of names that he he is talking about. I don't want to kind of potentially choose just someone at random, but of the two that you've mentioned, I mean, I'll be honest with Lawrence Shankland, I'll hold my hands up and say I was wrong about him in terms of the premiership because when he was at Dundee United, you know, I thought, has he struggled with the kind of step up from the Championship, which perhaps he had, but perhaps it was also just symptomatic of the fact that the team, I think... Well, the team did all right, but you just he wasn't quite scoring the goals at the same rate he was. Um, and now he's come back and he's been Hart's best player this season. So, you know, and, and Nisbet, to move on to him slightly, is, um, you know, we know a prolific goal scorer when he's fit. I know he's just come back from quite a serious injury. Is that right? So, um, yeah, I mean, both... Good players. Um, obviously, the thing that people will always ask with Rangers is can they move from clubs where, with the greatest of respect, the demand to win isn't the same as it is at Rangers, you know, where it is literally every week. I mean, Rangers have got beat by teams that have spent hundreds of millions of pounds more than them, and it still feels like we're in a, in a crisis. Um, so, yeah, but I think either one of them would certainly be worth taken a chance on. My only thing is, I'm not 100% sure with contracts. I mean, is Nisbet out of contract in the summer?
1: I couldn't tell either. I
0: don't think so, because He's well, got eight, 18 months, so yeah. the summer will be the last time they can get good value from. him. Right, so similar so, to what Ken was in the summer and where
2: Right, so I mean, that's that probably puts us in a stronger position with Nisbet, because I would assume that Shankland is on slightly longer, seen as he only just joined yeah. last year, and, and he is Hart's best player, so the chances of him selling. That factor alone, plus the fact that they'd be selling to it. Rangers would probably make that slightly unlikely. Um, but yeah, I would diff- I, I think Nisbet would be worth taking a taking a chance on personally and, and see what he does. I mean his goal record speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, Patrick Kevin Nisbet seems to be the one on people's lips more than Warren Shankland in the comments. Got uh, Caldwell in the comments here saying I've heard uh, Nisbet has been told if he stays fit, he's the man. Alexander Caldwell here saying, I would take Nisbet in a heartbeat. Young scoring goals and and Defoe finds the net. What are your thoughts on those two strikers probably leaning more towards Kevin Nisbet and what what they could potentially offer Rangers?
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally understand why someone would want him or or Shanklin. I think Nisbet probably makes a bit more sense just on the basis that he's younger and would be cheaper. Albeit Shanklin probably does fit the mould more so in the fact that he is a better link player in this. He's better, stronger holdup and better uh, with the ball at his feet passing to players, or at least he has done so this season. Nisbet's been good this season, and I know this sounds oxymoronical, but all he does is score goals, at least in this season. He doesn't do a lot more. Um, but to counter that, his 2020 21 season, his first at Hibs, was a fantastic season. I think it's the, like my rating system has it as the sixth best in the last four years. Um, the only people better than it was Edward Morelos. So- that's indicative there that was a really good performance. And that might've been the time to buy him because he is young. I'm not going to say, I think he's 25, about 2026 20, isn't young, but at that age, you're sort of investing in an asset who isn't really going to get you much profit, if any. And I understand football isn't all about making profit, but given where we are in the food chain, any sort of substantial outlay of above 2 million, I know we said 2 million was the new 200,000, but any outlay above that you want to be looking to have some potential to profit. And with Nisbet, uh, ideally, he could stay here for five or six years and play out his best years here and score. But you'd also want some sort of plan B for profiting. And he really needs to hit the ground running if we want to make money off him. And uh, I think it was an ACL rupture or something along the lines which left him out for a year. And obviously, that's a red flag to an extent. um, When you repair an ACL surgically, it's actually stronger than it was, I think, when it was before it was torn. But a lot of people are repeat offenders with these sort of injuries. I don't think either of them are necessarily a bad choice. I think Shanklin's the worst of the two in the sense that a lot of his goals are penalties. I think he's scoring at something like 0.9 goals per game and 0.6 of them or 0.5 of them are penalties. So half his goals are from the spot and he wouldn't get that at Rangers. Um, But Nisbet as well is probably a decent proposition, but given the fact and the scope of all the other strikers available in the world, I don't think it's the best transfer possible, but I certainly understand the appeal of wanting to get A goal scorer who's from scotland satisfies the uh uefa criteria and would be relatively cheap probably in that sub 3 million zone because Millwall had a bid for 2.4 accepted but given the fact that hibs would probably drive a harder bargain for us even if they're in a worse position just because it kind of makes sense when you're selling to a direct rival who's in a competition with you
1: yeah absolutely i think alexander campbell here saying it's nisbet's first real injury and he's binding goals like no one's business from morelos away bringing a young scottish player who also fits the profile for europe kind of echoed what you just said there patrick you could pete lawrence here saying this bit would be a sensible sign. he's on form and i'm sure he'd play well for rangers with our quality adam i think people seem to have become more aware of the the scottish factor i think i'll describe it as um in terms of the the number of of sort of first team starters that we have that fit the the uefa criteria and um, in terms of Either being Scottish or being home trained, um, that we need to look at, and it does feel like we are we are keeping some players around at the moment just because they fit that criteria. So people do seem more aware. I guess I think the Scottish market is one that we haven't really tapped into too much in recent years, and it's probably one that I would I would have personally liked to see us move into a bit more. And I am I'm excited by the prospect of Kevin bit where he to sign. For us, obviously that means we'll have to deal with other Scottish clubs which tend to put a, a Rangers tax on the on the fees and could sometimes be quite difficult to deal with. What are your thoughts on how we sort of navigate that kind of situation?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if that's the way that Hebs would want to play those negotiations, then that's up to them. I mean, to kind of build slightly on what Patrick said, I think the fact is that as much as we would maybe want to get Kevin in in the summer. Who knows? Maybe that is the striker he's talking about. Maybe it's not. But the fact is that if Hibbs were to really drive a hard bargain and say, you know, we want X amount of money and Rangers just aren't willing to pay it, I don't think it's perhaps a situation where Rangers couldn't go and get a striker who is just as good, if not better, for potentially the same amount of money. So I suppose from that point of view, that would maybe give Hibbs something to think about, that, you know... Nisbet isn't sort of the, the be all and end all as good a player as he is. Um, and obviously, you know, as Patrick said, it, it's the last chance that they're gonna get to get money from him. Um, you, you would assume unless he signs a new contract and then decides that his future lies at Hips, but it, it certainly doesn't seem like it's heading that way. So yeah, I, I think we should maybe take a chance on him. But I do appreciate I just seen the one you flagged there, that he is, you know, similar to Cholak in terms of he's he's a very good finisher and I'm not really sure how much else he would contribute um, and obviously Rangers need to get that balance right because you know most of the games that they play, a Cholak or a Nisbet figure would suit. Um, I would think, really, in terms of just having an out-and-out finisher, we've seen that with Cholak in the first half of the season for, for a good run of games. So, yeah, I think that he's it's, it's probably worth one taking a chance on, but I don't necessarily think that come to summer if we don't have Kevin Nisbet, so long as we have another decent striker signed, um, that it's going to be, you know, so sort of real controversial decision.
1: Yeah, just just to sort of um, show the the two different approaches to, to Scottish signings. Alexander Campbell here saying, agreed, we put our noses up at Scottish talent, mainly from the fans. We've missed a few already. Um, josh doig and, and Lois ferguson to name two and then we've got our very own Shug coming in here saying i too am excited by a scottish market can't wait for another scott right and um, so i think that's probably um just acts to highlight the the difference in views and the difference in experiences that we've had in terms of signing scottish players as well um back to michael Beale, and he kept going on his press conference um and he was started to speak about um, another interesting point, which was his desire to strengthen the centre back position as um, moving forward, because because we need more certainty in there. I thought that was really interesting because ultimately we have five centre backs um, in the squad at the moment. Patrick, I think if we if we if we say Goldson, Ben Davies, John Suter, Weon King, and Philip Hollander is the is the five centre backs that we have in the team or in the squad at the moment. Holander I think is out of the picture and I don't think we'll see him play for Rangers again the general rule of thumb I think under Steven Gerrard anyway was to have four center backs effectively so you'd have your two starters you'd have a solid backup to come in and then you'd have a young player who would um who would get some game time and and the cup games and would be there if absolutely needed I think that's kind of what we see in the positions at the moment if we take Goldson, Davies, Davies and King there were you surprised that he highlighted the center back position as as an area for improvement or is, is that something that actually when when you if Goldson or Davies drops out we actually the, the quality seems to drop further than we wanted to
0: no I mean I'm maybe surprised at the timing in the sense that he, he name dropped the position but, but I don't think he has the intention to go and get someone now because we've got the best part of two days, and it doesn't seem... Obviously, links are only are only what's leaked to the press, but there haven't been a single link at centre-back. Um, unsurprising, no, in the sense that I I doubt Hollander extends his contract in June. I think that would be both financial suicide and, and maybe career suicide on his behalf, because he just wouldn't play for us. He's good, but I don't think he's at the point where he should sort of tie his, tie his hip to Rangers. he probably probably get a good offer from Malmo or somewhere back in Sweden. And, and additionally, obviously, James Sands was signed as a sort of positionally bilingual player who would go between centre-mid, centre-defensive mid, and centre-back, and I doubt we also extend his uh, loan to to a full buy option, as that would also be financial suicide for as as stable as he's been in some games. He's also looked incredibly rash, and I just don't think he's worth the investment. Um, Suter, I think, satisfies the the Scottish coefficient, so he'll be given uh, uh, extra patience in the sense that he'll be to sort of get fit and show what he has, but I think ideally what you'd have is almost three starting centre-backs and you rotate them just on the basis of the amount of games we play and uh, what we face as centre-back. I think in Golden you've definitely got one there. Um, Davies so far looks like he has potential to be so, um, more so on his ball-playing ability than his uh, sort of aerial perhaps and physical physicality, but we need some sort of difference and diversity in our centre-backs and, and then King can probably fill that youngster zone, uh, but he could equally go out on loan. I, I know we haven't been a fan of that as an institution or, or as a strategy recently, but I think it may pay dividends maybe next year if, if we really want him to go down and get a full season of professional football, hopefully at the Premiership level or maybe the English Championship or English League One. So I don't think there's space for another centre-back. Um, I would probably go on caution and go on the younger side if we're recruiting in the summer. Not not necessarily the young centre-back in, in that sort of classification, but a starting level centre-back who's slightly younger just because right now, the uh, Goldens 30-plus, uh, early thirties though, very early thirties, and Davies is encroaching on his thirties as well. So there's sort of a asymmetric age dynamic there. Ideally we'd want someone who can come in, boss it and be a sellable asset. As we've seen we've brought in with Raskin, hopefully in the sense central the midfield and we've seen with Yilmaz on one side. So hopefully when we bring someone in it'll be someone of a slightly younger age, but someone who's firmly first team qualities. That's what we kind of need at this point.
1: Yeah, I think one of the names that actually springs to mind is, is Jake Cooper from Millwall, who seems to be continually linked with us i don't know if that's a bit of a lazy link because he was he was linked last in the summer so let's let's do it again or he was i think it was under when Gerard and Beale were here initially he was he was linked so i think it would be interesting from that perspective if he has one that we are keeping an eye on um conor goldson i think it's just turned 30 so i don't think i think he's still got a solid three or four years left in him i think he's a he's a player that will continue to play every possible game he can for us, ben Davies, has, um, ben Davies is an interesting one. You mentioned his aerial ability there, Patrick, I think. Um, it seems to be that he takes 10 minutes to to just stand up to that that physical. Yeah, I mean, and then it comes into the game when he do, just dominates for the rest of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's a slow burner. He's also just not naturally the biggest or the most aggressive, which is fine. Uh, a lot of people like the typology in football with your 2 cents backs. One plays like a cat and one plays like a dog. And with your cat, you can be less early inclined. So Davies is from the cat who stands back and is reactive. We saw it with Helander as well, and then Goldson and Balogun probably more better example from last season is the dog who goes around running, aggressive, the sort of one who steps out of line, um, and that works well. But uh, I think Davies is too almost too cat-like, so that if he's not with an incredibly dominant right centre-back, he may struggle, especially in a in a league in Scotland where strikers cut their teeth with aerial duels.
1: Central defenders described as cats and dogs. As a where first, where would start, you
0: back yourself, Craig?
2: Or are you a dog or if you were in the back too, what would you be? Same to the comments. Uh, would you look up as a cat
1: or a dog, as I said. It's quite I'm, a good answer. I, I, have, I have no pace um, or anything of that kind. So I am definitely more, more, aggressive. So, um, so I'm sort of in between the two, but I'm completely <laughs> confused by this analogy. <laughs> anyway, so on that note, let's let's move on. Um, I guess just to round off um the podcast and it's it's a big point to to round off we're 26 27 hours away from the transfer window shutting at this stage um michael Beale said if one or two things happen in the next 24 hours it moves the goalpost for everyone he said his office is like a doctor's office uh this morning There there were one or two waiting that wanted to have a conversation i think that was largely um I think that was largely to do with outgoings, to be honest, and we've seen three or four of the of the younger players, such as Kai Kennedy and Lewis Mayo, that have been told basically they can, they can try and find themselves a new club and Rangers are working to try and get them permanently out the door because they're not going to fit the bill. Adam, I'm going to come to you first of all, I guess it splits into, splits into three questions. Um, so entering this last 24 hours of the window, what business do you think we will do? What business would you like to see us do and what business do we need to do?
2: So I think in terms of what we will do, I think at this moment in time, and I try to only go off what looks genuinely quite solid, I think at this moment in time, it's probably just going to be Nicholas Raskin, which I'm quite happy with. It's a player that we really need to address, a position that we needed to address rather. In terms of what what we second, sort of what I hope th- we'll do, I um, I think, you know, as much as I say, you try and just sort of believe in what you see, maybe hope for one more that maybe has been going on in the background that we maybe don't quite know about, or as we've discussed, we maybe know he's thinking about a position or he's maybe got an idea, as he described his own office, like a doctor's office. So there's kind of chat, a lot of chat going on. So in terms of hope, yes, I would hope for more than one. Um, and in terms of what we need, I, I, I honestly think that, I think a striker, there's a debate as to whether that's a need or not. Um, like at this moment in time, obviously long term, it is. Um, I think Morelos has looked a little bit sharper the last few games, personally. Since i seen him at Komarnak that night, and then um can't remember who he played after that, but I think he scored. Um, so you know, I think we can maybe get by with those strikers till the end of the season. Um, and I think that, yeah, for me, the real crucial, crucial position was that holding mid, and I think that's been addressed. And I think anything else would be a little bit of a bonus because I think that Beal is thinking long-term and he clearly, as he said himself with the striker, he's got someone in mind and he would rather just push on through and wait for that one target, which I do understand. Obviously, it has its drawbacks slightly because people think, well, we, you know, if somebody thinks we need one now, then that's understandable. But yeah. So that was a very long-winded answer to three quite straightforward questions, but such such as Rangers transfer policy. That's what it does to your head.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they were straightforward questions at all, but I'm going to fire them straight to you, Patrick, at the same time. Um, So in your opinion, what business will we do? Um, Obviously, Nicholas Raskin looking very, very likely um, to be over the line tomorrow. What business would you like to see us do and what business do we need to do?
0: Yeah, what do I think we'll do? I'll I'll agree with that and then say probably just Raskin and um, prefacing with the only Raskin in. saying that obviously I'll always take quality over quantity and that's a good deal and I'm excited for it. What I hope we do, uh, I mean it's the the last day so I don't think we're going to rip up trees. Obviously I'd love a new goalkeeper and a striker and a centre-backer and all that but I think what I'd like us to do is generally just get the Raskin confirmed and maybe find some suitable loans for those who, who want to maybe send James Sands back for as much as he, he's he seems like a nice lad I think at this point he'll just be sitting there collecting a wage and if we can cancel that early and even just get that wage off the books not with the intention of flipping that and spending it now but just getting it off I think that might be smart uh, also the MLS runs in a, in a incongruent with our league so he, I think it starts in March so he'll be able to be, play for New York in March and what was the last one what would I like what, a, what,
1: what, do you, what do you think we need to do
0: need uh, i don't know I, I don't i really don't think anything besides raskin in the sense that what we need to do is relative to expectations and i don't think we need to do anything to be on this squad to win both cups i i don't think like i don't think we're favorites to win both cups i, I think that'd be a great uh, achievement relative but i think we have it within us to win both those cups i don't think we're going to win the league and i don't think even two transfers we're still more than two or three or four or five transfers off from being in a really sort of position in which we can usurp a six point lead or nine point actually in six months so i don't think we need anything in that sense i think we're securely sort of secure second place even if we get battered by hearts on wednesday which won't happen for example but i don't think we need anything per se um but i would just hope brass gets announced if it doesn't that'll be a bit of egg on all of our faces and i'll be a bit of a a bad way to end the month.
1: Absolutely. Um, We'll finish off on some comments here. So Robbie is saying we should go in for Shankland, Aivo and Bassey. So Robbie's spending big. Um, (laughs) Robbie's got deep pockets. And uh, we've got Jockney here saying we all know we'll be refreshing our phones until the buzzer sounds at midnight. And that is very much the truth. And we will be back, sorry, tomorrow night. um, Probably around 10 o'clock. Just for a look back over the the Rangers transfer window. I look back at how the squad's shaping up as we head into to the second half of the season, what our hopes are, what our ambitions are for that second half of the season. And hopefully we'll have news of at least one confirmed signing tomorrow. I'm I'm holding out hope for a second one being added in there as well. Uh Adam, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks, yeah, been a pleasure.
1: And Patrick, thank you very much for joining us. Your your knowledge is always happily welcome.
0: Yeah, thank you very much.
1: And uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening as well. Uh, Please remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel, toggle on those notifications, and you'll get an email every single time we go live. In terms of the schedule coming up, as I said, we'll have a, a live Transfer Window Roundup podcast tomorrow night, which is Tuesday night at approximately 10 p.m. We'll be looking to go live. We'll then have a post-match immediate reaction to the the game against Hearts at Tynecastle on on Wednesday night. And then we'll be on to the weekend and Ross County where we'll also have a post-match reaction. Thank you very much all for listening. And until next time, goodbye.
2: Podcast Network.